how many people realise and know that there is some um, sensitive topics in the body of Christ when it comes to teaching? Things like money. That's always a sensitive topic. Lordship. Surrender. Oh, now you're getting a little bit close to the bone. And um, now I sort of think Spiritual family is another one of those sensitive topics because it demands something from us. And as we looked at, and we have been looking at, in this whole thing of love and submission, surrender demands a response, doesn't it? It demands something from you. And we have a loving Father that says, if you give me, though, what you get in return is far greater. But crossing that hurdle can be the challenge the opportunity we have. And um, understanding spiritual family from his perspective can very much be a challenging reality because he says things that go against our flesh. We're going to have a look at some scripture tonight which really goes against human thinking, uh, the very uh, core of who we are as humans, uh, a human mindset. Uh, which really is a mindset from the kingdom of darkness. Um, the kingdom of God mindset is his thinking in you. And so as we know, Jesus came and he spoke from his reality. He spoke from an inner realm. He lived from an inner realm and an inner realm was demonstrated on the earth. But the challenge is it's easy to copy the external works and not be in the inner realm. And both those things have to align. And we're going to look at that tonight. What is the will of God compared to the works of God? Because I think we get that really confused as his people. And uh, a question that I constantly hear is, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. Well, the challenging thing, or the challenge is, why not? Because he tells you what it is. So he answers the questions that we ask. It's just whether we know his answers and we receive his answers as his answers and not something else that we're looking for. Because you can hear the answer but not hear the answer because it's not the answer that you're looking for. That makes sense? And, um, and so we're going to have a look at that. And what we're going to do tonight is I'm going to speak for 10 minutes. If I'm going to be good like Sandra, I might even make it 7. And um, I've got my timer. And then we're going to break up and we're going to discuss some things. Then I'm going to come back, I'm going to speak. Another 10 minutes, break up. So you're going to hear from me four times and we're going to have four discussions and questions. Is that cool? And, um, and so let's get started in this whole thing of spiritual family because it's really important. It's one of our values here that we hold dearly to. Um, and ultimately, spiritual family is what it says. It's family of the spirit. It's not about physical family, it's about spiritual family. And none of us chooses our spiritual family, he does. So the people sitting around you tonight have been chosen by him. Stop and think about that for a minute. You didn't choose the people sitting around you, you might not choose have chosen them. But... <laughs> Paul Costello just said, how blessed are they to have him at their table? <laughs> how tested are they going to be? That could be another word. But I don't know, if you stop and think about that, that God has hand-selected everybody to be your brother or sister in Christ. I think if that reality really hit home, how you would view them would change, possibly. And how you would treat them would change. Because why? Because you didn't choose them. The creator of the universe chose them. And he chose them to be right here at this particular time in this community for one another. So why would he do that? Because he's got a plan, he's got a purpose that's outworking through his body and his body here and his body at the street and his body at Arise and at his body in whatever community. But it is the same plan. It's not multiple different plans. It's the same plan and it's his plans being outworked through his family. And so that's what we want to look at uh, more and more tonight. 
because it is a high value. It's the value should define us as his people, yeah? So they're not just words on a page that we can skittle off. They are to be in us, coming out of us, living from. So here's a key thought tonight. Spiritual family isn't defined by physical bloodlines, but by the spirit of Christ. Spiritual family isn't defined by physical bloodlines, but by the spirit of Christ. Let's come with me to Hebrews 7. I'm going to do quite a bit of reading tonight. Um, and we're going to look at quite a few scriptures. And really I just want the scriptures to define themselves because they're good at that. And um, sometimes we get in the way. <laughs> so Hebrews 7 verses 14 to 16. Just the thought before I read that is this whole thing of spiritual family. Sometimes we can think we have to leave our natural or our physical family behind. You know, we're going to be part of a spiritual family and race off and all of a sudden our natural family gets left behind. Uh, there can be a separation. I'm not saying that at all. The reality is we have to lead our physical family into the reality of spiritual family. So my heart and my passion is to see my wife and my children come into the fullness of the kingdom and God within them and then for them to live from that place. So that means I'm taking... Uh, them with me on the journey that I'm on with him. It's not like I'm going on my own. They are my first disciples. So why would I leave my first disciples behind? Makes no sense to me at all, yet we seem to do that or we hear that. And so when I talk about physical and, and spiritual family, is we're all to be the spiritual family and we're all to be coming into the reality of what it is, it doesn't mean to say our physical family do. That's the challenge, isn't it? Some the people closest to you are the hardest people to actually lead. And so I just want to make that real clear. Hebrews seven fourteen, for it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, a tribe which ref- with reference to which Moses spoke nothing concerning priests. And this is clearer still. If another priest arises according to the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become such not on the basis of a law of physical requirement, but according to the power of an indestructible life, for it is attested of him, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 5 verses 9 to 10 says this, And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And in Hebrews 7, 1 to 3 says this, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham apportioned a tenth part of all the spoils, was first of all, by the translation of his name, King of Righteousness, and then also King of Salem, which is King of Peace. Verse 3, Without father, mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, he remains a priest perpetually. And so Jesus is from this lineage this line which doesn't have genealogy attached. Well, what do you mean? Didn't he come through this physical line? Didn't he come through Mary? And Yeah, he did. But in the spiritual reality, it doesn't have a genealogy. It's of the spirit. Can there be a priest that comes not from the Levites, but out of Judah? There never has been. And we have to get our minds renewed to this reality that it's never been about physical bloodlines. The whole story is not about physical. It's seeing the physical, the shadow, and coming into the substance from the shadow. It's about us seeing as he sees. And we're going to look at some other scriptures where he tells you that this is not my mother, this is not my brother. My mother and my brother are those who do the will of my father. He's clearly defining something for us to understand and to live from. See, this is a reality he lived from. 
His whole life he lived from who he was in him. His identity was firmly found in his father. And so he speaks his version of his truth, which we have to contend for, we have to wrestle for, for that to be revealed in us. So then we're able to live from his realm. Otherwise, our physical family can actually be the greatest bondage to you. You what, Greg? How can this beautiful child that we gave birth to be a bondage because you think it's about physical family? You know, I'm challenged, but the reality is, in my experience of 15 years now of walking with him, most followers, I'm just going to say the truth, in my experience, most followers of Christ value their physical family more than spiritual family. Most followers spend more time, energy, effort, resource into their physical family and the spiritual family gets the dregs. If I have time, because I'm so busy with my physical family, I'll give you a bit of it. And you better value the time I'm giving you because, you know, my time is valuable. And so the spiritual family limps along, dysfunctional, limping, because an arm is trying to be a leg and a hip and a shin and a foot, because the arm and the shin and the head, the shoulders and the foot are concentrating and really spending all their time on physical family because that's what's natural to us. See, it's of the flesh. It's natural to love in the natural, isn't it? What's of the earth? We're of the earth. We are earthy. You're going to love the things of the earth. And he's trying to wrench us from that reality in our understanding of spiritual family and anchor us into his reality which ultimately will birth you and I freedom so then we're able to love our natural family as he loves and lead them into this reality because he's looking for his family and he can't make it any clearer than saying, my family, they will love me with all their hearts, all mine strength. And so that's a challenge, isn't it? Not really? Everyone's, everyone's got it down pat. We need to literally be disconnected from a realm that we think is natural. And it is natural. It's fleshly. It's physical. Uprooted. And then through, this is all through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then anchored into an eternal reality. An eternal perspective. Something that holds real value and purpose. And there was a fight for that in the spirit and the flesh. Because it's literally what comes natural to us. We need something greater to trump us. Otherwise we will value physical family higher than spiritual. Now hear me again, what I'm not saying is we run off and now leave everyone of our physical family behind. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying though is as that work is being done in our hearts, the Father will ask us to try and lead other people, knowing that we can't change a heart, we can't change a person. But we can start by praying, we can start by having discussions, we can start sharing a reality of truth and hope that people would seek Him and ask him to reveal the reality that's living in someone else. Why? So we are absolutely free to start living for him. And it sounds funny, but these things, people, things can be idols in our lives. Anything that you have in your heart higher than him is an idol. And we have to contend with this. No, no, they're my children. No, they've become possibly an idol. Some people live through their kids. That's even worse. Their identity is in their children. So they can't let go of their children. When their children don't match their standard, all hell breaks loose. Why? Because you haven't been unanchored from an earthly realm and anchored and have the kingdom of God being established within you. So we're going to look at that. You've got questions there to discuss. And... Uh, I went over by a minute. There you go, not bad. Let's just listen up again and we'll get straight into it. Um, I 
purposely tonight didn't want to give us outcomes. I didn't want to talk about this is what it looks like. This is sort of, you know, this is what we want to become. Um, because I really just want to talk about process and sort of what leads to that. Um, because it's it's too easy to give you um, the outcomes and then everyone goes, cool, cool, cool. And, but it's another thing to go on the process. And if we actually go on the process, we'll become the very thing. So the outcome just becomes the outcome because of the process. Um, we naturally will chase outcomes before we chase process, so we never actually get the outcome we're looking for because to get the outcome means you've got to go through the process. Does that make sense? And so, um, I mean, and this is just a snippet tonight. You know, we've got a, a snippet of time to try and communicate something that's huge, and we probably will as we just continue to affect all our values uh, to, for them to become in us. Um, they've got to get in us. We, we need to become a people, you know, who, who carry discipleship right here, who understand the purpose and the why behind it. We need to understand the why. Why would God ask us to commit to being his family? Why? What's the point? Why would God say, you know, um, if, you don't, if, if you love X, Y, Z more than me, you're not worthy of me. What's the point? What's the why? And we have to understand the why. Because uh, it's the why that makes sense of everything. So here's a, a second key thought. Spiritual family are surrendered to Christ and committed to accomplishing the will of God. Okay, Spiritual family are surrendered to Christ and committed to accomplishing the will of God. I've put those in a specific order because you can go and try and do the will of God, but if you're not surrendered to God, you get in trouble. And we talked about that last night. Uh, so last a couple of Sundays ago where it's easy to be committed I'm committed and I am going to be committed and I'm going to go to ABC but I'm just not surrendered and so through my own commitment I end up doing everything in my own strength and my own ideas and I don't go anywhere because I never started from a surrendered position and then walk that out being committed from a surrendered position so Christ had the time to define everything. I defined it in my own eyes and I did all these things and he turns around and goes, well, who are you? But Lord, I was committed. Yeah, but you never were surrendered. Does that make sense? This is the challenge, isn't it? Because there's a superhero in all of us. Isn't there, Lisa? We all have our superhero capes and we all want to go around and change the world for Jesus because we all want to be super Christians. And that's what's pumped out. We're going to change and transform the world. Really? Really? See, that's still part of the flesh that needs to die and it needs to be surrendered. Otherwise, you go on that journey and you will literally wear yourself out silly. Because you never started from the right place. That's why we're looking at love and surrender. Because it empowers. And like Paul said, I strive now according to the power that's at work within me that came from him. Now I go. And so uh, let's have a look at some of these scriptures. Matthew 12, 46 to 50. I'm going to read them quite quick because there's five of them. And... Um, these are quite hard-hitting, okay, but these are his words, not mine. Matthew 12, verse 46. While he was still speaking to the crowds, behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. Someone said to him, behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? What would you do if your child said that to you? What do you mean? Who is my mother and who are my brothers? I gave birth to you, you ABC. <laughs> I went through a lot of pain bringing you into this world. Now you're questioning who I am. He's asking this. Who is my mother and who is my brothers? Why is he saying this? What's he, what's he teaching? What's he declaring? What's he wanting those that are listening to get? Because he's speaking of a reality. He's speaking of a realm, his culture within him, called the kingdom. And stretching out his hands toward his disciples, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, 
He is my brother and sister and mother. So this thing's not defined by bloodline, it's defined by who's going to do the will of the Father. We're going to look at what the will of the Father is. So he's clearly defining a reality, isn't he? That we have to contend for, wrestle for, come into through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not our flesh. What our flesh needs to do is surrender to the current reality we hold, lay it at the foot of the cross, and ask Him to reveal His reality. And that must stay there, not be picked up again. See, it's a mindset. Our minds need to be renewed by the power of truth. So then we're able to live out a reality. If it's not in me, I can't live it out. I'm going to live what's in me. Yeah? I'm going to be found with the love that's in me, and I'll be found there. Where your treasure is, there the heart is found. What you truly love, you'll find the heart. Well, if your heart is found in other things, how do you love them with all your heart? So there needs to be a breaking, a transition, and life coming. Okay, let's go to Mark 3, 31 to 35. Mark 3, 31 to 35. Then his mother and his brothers arrived, and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Answering them, he said, Who are my mother and my brothers? Looking about at those who were sitting around him, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. I'm imagining, I don't know, but what if they're all men and he's saying, you're my mother and you're a man? <laughs> See, it's not defined by male or female. It's not defined by Jew or Gentile. It's not defined by physical bloodline. It's defined through a spiritual reality and God knows those that are doing the will of his father. He knows. He's looking who is going to do the will. Who's going to let go of everything that's natural, surrender it all to me, and grab hold of me and my way. And he's been looking for 6,000 years, and he will continue to look till he returns. And for all those who have let go of everything that's natural and grab hold of the spiritual, the Bible says he has a reward for those people. Why would you want to be spiritual family? Because there's something that he has for his spiritual family to play out. Now that can't be your motive of selfish desire. The motive has to be because you love him because he sees straight through that motive. There's something and he's declaring it to us as his people. But Will we go there and will we allow him to shape it in us? Luke eleven twenty seven. Luke eleven twenty seven. This is a good one. The mums will relate to this. While Jesus was saying these things, one of the women in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you. And the breasts at which you nursed. <laughs> Hallelujah. What a great womb that was a womb that was. But he said, on the contrary, oh, blessed are those who what? Hear the word of God and observe it. Can you hear what I'm saying tonight? Not the words, but what I'm really saying. Can you hear what the Spirit is saying? Because the Spirit is defining a reality through this vessel called Greek Simnel. And these people were able to hear not the words, the Word. See, we get changed when we're able to hear the Word, not the words. We get entangled in the words. We try and understand the words intellectually and we get all messed up. It's hearing the Word. When you hear the Word, 
conviction comes. And when conviction comes, change comes. And when change comes, you start walking towards another reality that you weren't walking for before. You were going to Auckland and all of a sudden you got to Taupo, Lisa, and you spun around and you headed for New Plymouth. Because something entered into you called the Word of God. And then it says they started to observe it. What does it say? Do it. Not in your own strength, though. So once again, he's saying, no, 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 guys, you've got this all wrong. Lady, you've got this wrong. You're honouring the wrong person here. It's not about physical. Yes, I gave you a shadow, a form, a a foreshadow of how this was all going to play out, but don't get caught up in the foreshadow, come into the substance and live from it on the earth. Now, let's go to Luke 14, 25. 14.25 I love how Jesus' physical family took a long time for, for them to get him. They even came to him and his friends that said, man, you're out of your mind. Have you ever had that yet? Have you tried to live a reality that those close to you, whether it's your family or your friends, think you're a nutter? And you're trying to describe a reality to them that's in you and they think you have lost the plot. You've been persecuted for that? You've been misrepresented for that? That's what it means to follow him. You will be. If you come into his reality because it challenges and it tests the flesh like nothing else. And things that we think should be so natural to us are our flesh caught up and they actually become the lust of the flesh. Is that too harsh? You know, loving a child more than you love him, I believe is the lust of the flesh. Ooh. Ooh. But it's so natural. It's so natural. Yeah, it is natural. You need something greater on the inside of you to break that natural thing, don't we? We need him more than that. And I'm talking about to truly love a child is to be set free from a child. Abraham and Isaac, going to test your heart now to see if you love the child more than you love me. Going to give you a test. Why? Because I want nations to come through you. And if you fail this test, I don't know what might happen. I'm looking to see your heart. Who has your heart? The one of the prom- the promise or the promiser? Who's got it now? Because I want to live you this free life, this life where you're set apart from the things of the world. Why? Because I've created you for an eternal realm. I've created you for this time and another time slot. But if you're caught up and you are bound to these things, you will be found there. Why? Because what you truly treasure, there your heart will be found. And you will ignore what's on offer in Him because you can't literally go there. Why? Because you're looking here. See, if our hearts are divided, we have a broken heart because our heart has been divided up. And if I've given my heart to eight different things, one being God, but seven-eighths of that heart is given to the earthly things, where is my focus? On the earth, here. The Bible says, set your mind on the things above where Christ is seated in heavenly places. For my life has been hidden in Christ. My life is no longer my own. So why am I looking at the earth being focused on my life and my stuff when he calls me to look this way? But I can't, I literally can't and I won't if seven-eighths of my heart have been given to the things of the earth. You won't even turn the head and notice the burning bush. Trust me, you won't. Because you'll be consumed with the seven-eighths that are here because these things demand urgent things. And I love what Alison Kurakunga said last week. She said, I can never get to the important because I'm too caught up in the urgent. That's profound right there. I'm too busy caught up in the urgent, the things that demand me now. Got sport, got kids, got food, got school, got this, got that, got career. Da 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 da. da. Hey, do you want to know something amazing over here? I ain't got the time. Sorry, I'm so caught up in the urgent, but I never get to the important. I never get to the thing that's eternal. I never get to the reason why I was fully created. 
So I never commit to being part of a spiritual family that's laying its life down so people can see God through the church. And I never get to see a whole lot of people glowing with Christ in them where they're supposed to be the light of the world, where salt, in any decent number. Why? Because seven-eighths of our heart is found on the earth. And guys, we look no different to the world. So the world ain't looking at the church. And yet there are individuals, little light sticks, and all those individuals, over time, will find themselves together at a judgment seat. There you go. My heart, Danielle's heart, the eldership's heart here, is to see a group of people on the earth now, today, tomorrow, established where that reality is now. Not one, two people, a community of people. Why? Because that's a brighter light than one or two. But I read these scriptures and he says, now large crowds were going along with him. It's easy to go along with him. Easy to turn up. Go through the religious hoops. Tick that one. Skip through that one. Sang a song here. Turned up to a furnace. Sat down. Did all the things. Got everything in alignment. I'm a good little lad easy to go along with him, it's another thing to truly follow him and allow his culture to be in you and to be formed in us where he wants to take off our heads and our mindsets literally put them down so large crowds would go along with him but then he turned and he said this to them if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, children, and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Why? Because you're loving the things, like I said, yourself. You literally can't because you won't be able to walk because the cost involved in that will have you failing short. And he's telling you, to have these things in your heart, it's going to stop you. It'll prevent you from actually following me. Because we've got to be free of them all. It's massive. This is massive. This is huge. And what he's created us for is huge. And yet we've taken this incredible thing called the world, the word, and we put it down to crumb size. And we're all trying to eat the crumb and live off a crumb. And yet we have this other realm of reality that he declares, which is his. And I read about men and women in this thing called the Bible that found it and are screaming it to us in different various books. And he's literally saying, and then he goes, you know, you've got to count the cost. Will you let me define everything? Would you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness so I can add? And it's not the beamer. It's the basics of life. Food, clothing, shelter. I don't know where we add everything else, but that's the promise. But will you seek this reality and allow me to do a work within you? I've got to hate my wife? No. No, not at all. I'm to love her like Christ loves her. But if I'm trying to love her with my human love because she's in my heart and I haven't given her back and I haven't let God define it and I haven't put His truth in me, then I'm going to be entangled up in her. And He does not share His glory with anybody and He does not want anybody at the center of me. Jesus be the center he literally wants to be at the core. He does not share his place with anybody, does he? He's not supposed to be. And so we must seek him for this reality. I hope you're not sensing or getting condemned, but convicted maybe, I hope. And then the last one is Matthew 10, 34. And it's pretty much the same passage said by Matthew. 
Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. Hmm. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life has lost his life. Sorry, he and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. What's he talking about? He's come to separate family. Does he really want to separate me from my mum and my when my dad's passed away, but my brothers and my in-laws? Or is this more about he comes to divide between flesh and spirit? He comes to bring everybody into a spiritual reality, but he knows there's a challenge because some people are living in the flesh. So his living word comes to divide that. Just think about that. He's dividing for the purpose of finding what he's looking for. And he is no respecter of persons. So ultimately, he is no respecter of Danielle and I's, hear what I'm saying, our relationship, if it gets in the way of his truth. He wants to be and needs to be number one. So he will come and he will come and he will come to bring ideally both of us into this reality where we are no longer draining on one another. Okay? You need to meet my needs, Danielle. You need to be this. You need to be that. I married you because I want to suck the life out of you because ultimately I'm insecure in me and I need you to fulfill me. Isn't that what Hollywood tell us? Go give your heart away to a woman or a guy. You had me at hello. Quickly, say goodbye. <laughs> and vice versa. That's a marriage doomed for destruction right there. No, no, we both give our hearts to him. So now we're free to truly love one another with this thing called agape, unconditional love, the love of the Father being in. So when the behavior doesn't stack up, I don't walk away from her. She doesn't walk away from me, but I love her enough and she surrenders and loves me. And guess what you have? Oneness in him. And then when you take that and you turn it into children and you put it into a wider community, now you have oneness in the community of the spirit. Now you've got a, a spiritual family that we're talking about here. But if it doesn't start between one and one, one and marriage, you're never going to see it in spiritual family. You'll have a fleshly model called conformity which is literally everybody coming, doing their own thing, and you've got a whole lot of physical families turning up on a Sunday, but no spiritual family being built. Hmm. I've overspoken 10 minutes. <laughs> I just want to say this. You can be spiritual family because we all have the spirit but not be surrendered to Christ or committed to do the will of God Matthew 7 21-23 speaks of this reality let's just quickly go there I need to say this because this is part of the, the flow Matthew 7 21 we know this well you can be spiritual family because you have received the spirit of Christ we were talking about this at this table, okay? That doesn't mean you can actually contend with everything in the spirit because depending on your maturity level, some people I've found don't want to go there. Some people don't want to know the greater depth of truth because it actually becomes offensive to them because of what they have to give up. So we can be spiritual family. If we've received Christ's spirit, we are the family. That doesn't mean we're surrendered and that doesn't mean we're committed to doing his will, does it? But he says to us, those that do the will of the Father are my real, really my family. 
You tracking with me? Now here we're going to find some people that said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But what? He slash she who does the will of my Father. Oh. So I can call him Lord, Lord. And I can come along here and I can sing songs and I can give money and I can do all the things that good Christian people do. And I could still not enter the kingdom of heaven, the spiritual reality, not heaven, the spiritual reality that God has for the church. The kingdom of God is within us, being birthed within us, preparing us for the literal kingdom. Yep. Oh my goodness. Why? Well, he tells you. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, there we go. Lordship? Maybe not. Did we not prophesy? Ooh, love that. In your name. I want to prophecy. I want to prophesy. I want to go to the world and give in prophecies. Really? Okay. And in your name, not in my name, in your name, cast out demons, and in your name, perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. But I thought that was doing the will of God, Greg. I thought the will of God was healing the sick. That's what I was taught. I thought the will of God was prophesying. I thought the will of God was reaching the lost. I thought the will of God was getting out there and making a difference. Well, I want to suggest to you those things are the works of God. I'm going to suggest to you the will of God is something different. The Bible actually tells us what the will of God is which is in 1 Thessalonians 4, which is all around our sanctification, which is literally this process of transformation on an inside-out reality where spirit and truth are entering into you and changing you and I. What that does is that will bring us into a true knowledge of who God is. And then when we go and do the works of Christ... We go doing them his way, his strength, his name, the way he defines everything. Rather than thinking we're doing it our way, using his name, but it's our agenda and our will that's being outworked. Does that make sense? So I'm going to suggest you there are the works of Christ, reaching the lost, feeding the poor, healing the sick, all those things that are external and the will of God, if you read it to you, is sanctification. From Thessalonians 4. It's entitled Sanctification and Love. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honour. Not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter because the Lord is the avenger in all things, just as we also told you before the sorry, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you and I. So I'm going to suggest to you the will of God is the sanctification of the church. Justification he does. Sanctification he says, will you surrender to me, allow my spirit, my truth to go work on your heart and in your mind, transform you from the inside out, and then I'm going to complete the work in glorification when I give you a glorified body. We are fulfilling that gap in the middle. He takes care of the first and the third part we're in the middle. He's looking, going, if you enter into this process of sanctification, which is preparation for the bride that's returning, because you're changing, you're being transformed, and then you're going as this work is being done, now you're not doing it lawlessness, your own way, but you're not only going by my voice, hearing my voice, you're doing it my way. You're building the church my way. In fact, I build my church, and I do it my way. I'm doing everything my way. You've be entered into our enter into sanctification, the will of God, which He asked us all to enter into. Amen. No? Yeah. What do you think is being produced through that process? A spiritual family? 
spiritual family. If we all enter into sanctification through the power of the Holy Spirit, what do you think the outcomes of these things are going to be? We're going to love one another. We're going to love God. Why? Because there ain't no you left. There ain't no seven-eighths now looking over here, looking into the world. Why? Because you've entered into a process called sanctification, which is where the power of the Holy Spirit, His living word comes and starts to go to work on your heart and my heart and my mind, and the truth is making me free, and the glory of God is getting brighter and brighter and brighter, and the light's getting brighter and brighter, and Christ is being formed in me. I'm in labor again till Christ is formed in you. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and let the God of the universe go to work to do a work in your heart and your mind for His good and pleasing will. Then you're going to see a church that is blameless, spotless, and radiates Him now. And that church then goes into a world being led by the Father, the power of the Holy Spirit, doing the works His way. No longer going to hear, Lord, Lord, I did ABC because I was a superhero with my cape on, flying all around the globe for a complete waste of time. Why? Because I was committed, I just was never surrendered. I never took the time to get to know you and how you do everything. Because I had an agenda. Enough of you making coffee, that's all good. Continue to do that. Um, here's the last thought. Spiritual family are wholeheartedly committed to the process of sanctification in their lives. Spiritual family are wholeheartedly committed to the process of sanctification in their lives. Hebrew 12, 14 says, without the sanctification process happening in our lives, no one will see the Lord. Sanctification will bring you into spiritual sight. So the process of going through, having the renewing of the mind, what's that going to do? Do you think you're going to see things as God sees? No? What would be the whole point of the renewing of the mind? You're not going to be able to see as God sees. See his design for how he builds. So this whole thing is about as we enter into this process, being renewed, transformed through his living word himself, guess what we're going to be able to live out? His way. So you see like him. You see in the spirit like him. You can see true states. You can see people by hearing them. You can hear their true state. You can hear whether they're in the real Christ truth or they're actually caught up in words. You'll come into this life in you. will start coming out of you. You'll be a blessed of the poor in spirit people. It's a posture of the spirit. It's got nothing to do with physical demonstration first place, it's about a spiritual position that then comes out of you in a physical demonstration. But the trick is we can all demonstrate something that looks like humility. Doesn't mean it is. We can all look like and copy the physical. That's where the deception is. Anyone can copy and go to the neighbor's house and look like they're truly loving the neighbor by doing their lawns and do a one-off event. But this is to be a lifestyle because the work is being done within you, so it's a 24-7 thing that's happening within you. I'm in labor again until Christ is formed in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. If you think of Christ as in you to the fullness of God measure, you're going to think like him, see like him, hear like him. Ah, oh, hear, O Israel, that the Lord is one. Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Can you hear what the Spirit says to the churches because you've committed wholeheartedly to enter into His process, which is ultimately a process of death to life. But like we've talked about, if He doesn't have your whole heart, you won't enter into it wholeheartedly. You might enter it half-heartedly. Is a half-hearted approach going to get anywhere with Him, do you think? See, you can enter into it 99%, but that 1% will rob you of the all. To which no one will see God. No one will have sight, spiritual sight, spiritual discernment, spiritual wisdom. 
This whole thing's of the spirit. It's not of the flesh. We can't understand God in our carnal minds. It's a spiritual dimension. Unless you're born again, you can't see. Unless you're born of water and spirit, you can't enter into. So you'll ask questions like, how does a man get inside his mother's tummy again? Man, what are you talking about? What does it mean to abide in Christ? How do you explain that? What is that? You see, when you've received that, you know it. Trying to explain it's quite hard. Trying to put into English words a spiritual reality, I think it's almost impossible. See, it's about receiving to understand. We want to understand to believe. It's about believing to understand. We can't handle that because it's complete opposite to our natural wiring. And so as we enter into this process of sanctification where the Holy Spirit leads you into all truth, the Holy Spirit renews your mind, the Holy Spirit does what He's been called to do, then all of a sudden you start seeing, thinking, acting, speaking, and now we're able to demonstrate a reality that walked in the manner in which He walked. What manner did Jesus walk? Love. What is the church to be known for? Love. What is the great commandment? To love. Why is that the case? Because he's returning for a bride that loves. Not a bride that says it does but can't do because it hasn't entered into sanctification. Mm. If this is happening in our lives, then we will be and become a family who truly are one with God and one another. We will be a family of the same mind. What mind is that? The mind of Christ. His. The same mind. Is that possible, Lisa? Really? Truly surrender. I love that. Wholeheartedly surrender. That we can have the mind of Christ. Truly have together. What would that look like if we all had the mind of Christ fully? We have it in seed form, it's growing, but what would it look like if we had 70% of his mindset tonight? The life. As we were engaging at the tables, man, I'm telling you, the food that would be going backwards and forwards of the Spirit, we'd all walk out of here not needing physical food for probably a month. The interaction, when you get in this environment with brothers and sisters that are more mature and you start eating him, eat my flesh and drink my blood, for in it you will have my life. It's phenomenal. It literally takes away, trust me, physical hunger. You can go without food. Some of me now looking at me going, this guy's lost the plot. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, it's my testimony. Time, time goes like this. Three hours feels like three minutes. Five hours feels like five minutes. Have you noticed that? You look at your watch, whoa, geez, it's midnight. Why? Because you're so ingrained and engrossed and connected into Him because He's speaking through us. That's just the mind. It says this. This is in Philippians. We will be of the same love. What, our human love? No. His love. How do we get that? Enter into the process of sanctification. Allow Him to go to work, work out your salvation. Salvation, justification, sanctification, glorification. It's a process, not an event. What's it about? Love. United in spirit. Not conformed. We are united in one. I pray that they would be one, as you and I are one. You and me, I and you, no, I'm butchering that. Christ in us. <laughs> John 17. Intent on one purpose. Whose purpose? What's his purpose? 
here with knowing him, but what's the outcome of knowing him? Hey? What's the purpose of transformation? What's he looking for? His bride. He's looking for her. Are we all going to be her if we don't enter into sanctification? No. We've told everyone we are. I don't believe that's scriptural. I mean, if you take scripture as it is, no. You'd have to throw out most of Paul's letters. So he's saying the church I'm looking for does it my way, enters into my way. This is spiritual family. They have died to their flesh. Because why? Their lives are no longer their own. They've been bought with a price. I've given my Holy Spirit as a deposit or a pledge to lead you into the fullness of maturity. And I'm looking for my spiritual family, my bride. And she will be spotless and blameless. And she will love like me because that's the commandment I've given her to. Two Thessalonians two thirteen to fourteen. Let me just read it to you. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in truth. Yeah. Let me read that again. But we should always give thanks to to God for you. He's talking to the Thessalonians. Brethren, the Thessalonians, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you. God has chosen you. God has chosen you, Lisa, Rodney, Mike, me. What for? Ooh, for salvation. Through sanctification. By the flesh? No. By the Spirit and faith in the truth. Who's the truth? Have we got faith in him? <laughs> sort of. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Don't test me on it though. He's going to, isn't he? He's going to test. I was reading just last week. Test yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Ooh. Take a viewpoint, a snapshot, an MRI scan of where you're really at today. Are you in the faith? It's easy to say yes. It's another thing to really live it out. And he's saying, guess what? This is how it works through sanctification by spirit and faith. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ooh. This is phenomenal. John 17, 17 to 19. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Here we go, 19. This is Jesus' heart. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves may also be sanctified in truth. Jesus came, demonstrated what a man who is filled with the Holy Spirit can accomplish through allowing his Father to define him, empowered through the Holy Spirit. He was the truth. And he demonstrates for us what's fully possible for someone who is surrendered, empowered by his Spirit, letting his truth renew them what they can accomplish. Nothing to do with flesh. Everything to do with Spirit. What is he looking for? Spiritual family, not physical family. And it's got nothing to do with bloodlines or genealogies, but everything to do with his spirit. Wow. For you have been called for to be a holy nation, a priesthood unto God. I have set you apart for a purpose way beyond this earth. Even though this earth is important because I want to glorify my name through it, but this is a stepping stone to the real reality. Set your mind on the things above. Become my spiritual family, my people who are set apart, consecrated unto myself, because I'm returning for her. And she will experience a life with me, ultimately in another dimension forever. The challenge and the question is, Greg, do you want to be part of that? 
You're going to surrender your life, son, and allow me to go to work and lay your life down to what I love, which is my people. No matter what the cost, no matter what they do or don't do, will you be present? Be present. Not be present at my home, but will I be present in spirit and body? I'm with you, Lisa. In spirit. Well, can you come with me and be with me in body, Greg? Because I can't hug your spirit. I can't talk to your spirit. You with me? Wholeheartedly committed. No matter what. Even if it costs you your life, will you lay it down? Those are my people.